السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ I will go over the process of the ghusl of a mayyit, bathing the deceased. And inshallah, we'll go step by step. Because once inshallah you understand the procedure, then understanding the following abwab and the ahadith that come under them will become very easy. Because everything that's mentioned in this chapter is not necessarily mentioned in a sequence. Remember that the, this book is also a book of fiqh. So in this chapter, certain matters are proven, they are being established through hadith and through the statements of the scholars and the companions. So we will not necessarily find everything in sequence. So inshallah right now I will tell you the, the sequence and then we will go over the hadith, inshallah. So like we learned earlier, that washing the deceased is something that is Mandatory or optional? It's mandatory. It's a fard kifaya. The janazah, the funeral prayer, and before that, ghuslul mayyit, both of these are a fard kifaya, an obligation upon the Muslim community. Meaning there should be some people who should perform the bath as well as the janazah for the person who has passed away. The question is, why should the deceased be washed, bathed, before being put into mud. If you think about it, the body of the deceased is now being prepared to be put under ground. Isn't it so? And it's understood that very soon it is going to decompose. So why wash the body? Why bathe the body? What's the purpose behind washing it? What's the purpose behind washing the body of the deceased? What do you think? Yes, sister. Pardon? Yes, very true. Earlier we learned that the purpose of ghusl is to clean the body. And there could be different reasons why the body is to be cleaned. But again, why clean the body when it is being buried? Yes? Exactly. It is a form of honoring a believer. And also if you think about it, the deceased now, when he or she is buried, is now returning to who? Allah. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isn't it so? When we stand to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what are we supposed to do? Wash ourselves. We're supposed to do wudu. Isn't it? So cleanliness is a part of our faith. And cleanliness, especially when a person is drawing close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So death is a return to Allah. Death is a journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for that reason, the body must be clean. And also remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored the human being, given it preference over the rest of the creation. Isn't it so? And part of honoring the human being is also that 
after life, meaning after a person has died, even then the body is cleaned, it is shrouded, it is carried upon shoulders, it is preyed upon, and then it is buried. So this is part of honoring the body, honoring the believer, and it is also in a way celebrating the return journey to Allah Azza wa Jal. And honoring that journey also. Going for that journey, prepared. So, ghusl and kafan both are fard kifaya. The question is, who should perform the ghusl for the deceased? We discussed this earlier also. Who should perform the ghusl for the deceased? Which person should be appointed? Which people should be appointed? Yes? Who? Exactly. Those who are nearest to the deceased in terms of relationship. The closer a person is in relationship, the more worthy they are and the more responsible they are. They have a right and a duty, both, to perform the ghusl for the deceased. So it is the right and the responsibility of the closest relatives to bathe the deceased. We learned that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu reported that when it was agreed to wash the Prophet ﷺ after he had passed away, then only the family of the Prophet ﷺ were in his house. Who is it that performed the ghusl for the Prophet ﷺ? It was Abbas radiallahu anhu. Who is Abbas? His uncle. Then there was Ali ibn Abi Talib. Who was he? His cousin. Then there was Fadl bin Abbas. Who is that? His cousin. Then there was Qusim bin Abbas, also his cousin. There was Usama ibn Zaid. Who is he? The son of Zaid radiallahu anhu, who was previously the adopted son of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And there was also the freed slave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Salih. So we see that it was only the closest relatives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam or those who were close to him, who performed the ghusl. And we see that from the different narrations, we learned that some were supporting the body, some were turning it, and some were pouring water and washing the body. So there was complete proper planning as to who was going to do what. It wasn't a random crowd. It was not haphazard. It was very orderly, and and the tasks were clearly assigned. We also learned that, we discussed this earlier also, that a husband can bathe his wife and a wife can also bathe her husband. We learned that Asma bint Umais and Ali radiallahu anhu bathed Fatima radiallahu anha when she passed away. They performed the ghusl for her. We also learned that the Prophet wasallam said to Aisha radiallahu anha that you don't need to worry about yourself because if you were to die, then I would take care of everything. And part of the things that he mentioned was also that he would bathe her. And Aisha radiallahu anha, much later she said that if I had remembered that at the time when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away, then it was the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam who would have washed him. But we see that she did not remember in time. However, it was the cousins and the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam who washed him. Secondly, remember that a knowledgeable, reliable person should bathe the deceased. A knowledgeable and reliable person. Not just any average person, but someone who can be trusted and someone who knows what they are doing. 
And it is necessary that we learn about how to properly wash the dead. Because when you go around and people see you as someone who has studied some deen, at least, that you have studied the Qur'an, you have studied parts of Sahih Bukhari, then they expect some level of knowledge from you, and they expect that at least at this time, you should be able to help them out. So we should all learn about how to properly wash and shroud the deceased. Then also remember that while washing the dead, if any aib is seen in the deceased, aib as in any fault, like for example, a person sees that the body of the deceased is such that the eyes are open and they look very scary, for example, or that there is a lot of smell coming, that every time they wash, the body just doesn't become clean. You know, anything like that could happen. If some aib is seen on the deceased, then those who are washing the deceased should not publicize those faults. They should conceal them. It is not correct for you to mention anything about a deceased that is not appropriate. Put yourself in their position. Abu Umama reported that the Prophet ﷺ said that the one who bathed a deceased and concealed his faults, then Allah will conceal his faults. And the one who puts a kafan on the deceased, shrouds a deceased person, then Allah will clothe him with sundus on the day of judgment. In another narration we learn that the one who conceals a Muslim, then Allah will conceal him in dunya and akhirah. So remember that if you or anybody you know is going to wash a dead person, then take this matter very seriously. Any fault that you see in the body, anything problematic that you see, do not disclose it. Do not tell other people about it. Now, when it comes to the actual ghusl, we have read several ahadith so far that mention several things that are supposed to be done. But first of all, we will go over the the things that are needed for the purpose of ghusl. So what are the required items that must be prepared from before when washing the deceased? First and foremost, water. Correct? Secondly, sidr leaves. We need leaves also, which are to be crushed and added to the water. And if they are not available, then soap. Alright? Or in addition to sidr water also, soap can be used. Soap or shampoo, whatever is necessary then kafur because remember the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that that put kafur in the final rinse so kafur and if kafur is not available then some fragrance any fragrances okay in addition to these materials also what is needed is a comb to brush the hair cotton like cotton balls to clean the mouth and to also plug the mouth and the nose when washing the body so that no water enters the body. Then, of course, gloves, because the body should not be touched directly, all right, with bare hands. So either gloves or an extra piece of cloth that the hands are covered with when handling the body. Then a sheet that is thick, meaning it's not see-through, it's thick and it's dark in color, to cover the entire body when washing it. 
Because remember that the body is not to be exposed. It's not supposed to be naked completely when it's being washed. It should be covered with a sheet fully and then water should be poured. The body should be washed from where? From under the sheet. You understand? And the sheet should be such that when it gets wet, the body does not get exposed. You understand? So it should not be white. It should not be one solid color. It should not be a light color. It should not be thin. You understand? It should be thick enough that as it gets wet and the body is being washed, then the body does not get exposed. And then of course, cloth for drying the body also. Alright, so these are some things that are needed, that are essential for the ghusl. The place of ghusl, where should the body be washed? In a place that is clean, where water can be disposed of easily. It should be spacious enough so that people can move around the body to wash it easily. Also, it would be easy to have a board or a bed that can be slanted easily to wash the body. Also remember that only those washing the body should be present at the time of ghusl. Meaning, there should be no observers. You understand? Be there in that washing area only if you are actively participating in washing the body. If you are not washing the body, then please do not stay there. Why? What's the reason? It's not respectful. This is not a show. Right? It's not respectful that the body of a person who has passed away is being washed, it is being prepared for the burial, and people are just standing there watching. No. And even in general, it is not correct to just stand there and watch people as they're doing their things. Isn't it so? We should value our time and use it for doing something productive. And just watching Watching people do their work is a complete waste of time. Then also remember that the etiquette of washing the body is that those washing the body should observe silence. They should avoid unnecessary talk. And there is no specified dhikr for washing the body. There is no specified dhikr for washing the body. The only thing that you could say is bismillah when starting the ghusl and that's it. Other than that, there is no specified dhikr. Now, I had asked you to do some homework. Before I continue, you tell me that when a person dies, then how is the body discharged from the hospital? And where is it supposed to be washed? How is it brought there? Did you do any research? Yes? Bismillah rahman rahim When a person dies in a hospital, People should fund the masjid, for example, Isna Masjid, have a funeral service, and you will have to sign a form of release. The masjid will send somebody to transport the body to the masjid, and the ghusl and the But when can the body be transported from the hospital to the masjid? When the doctor signs that the person was deceased. The death certificate, when right? The death certificate and was remember... Signed. One thing you should remember is that it is not a priority of the doctors at the hospital to sign the death certificate. So sometimes it can take a day, two days, three days, because the doctors have to pay more attention to those who are alive, those who are sick. So only in their free time will they go and check if the person is dead, and they will sign the 
paper. And without it, the body will not be discharged. It will not be discharged. Okay, what's next? When the deceased goes to the masjid, that is where the coffin and shrouding and the ghusl will take place. And then there are cemeteries, the Muslim cemeteries around here is a Merrillville. And the cost is around 5000 Okay. Inshallah, we'll get to the burial also. Remember that when the body is discharged from the hospital, how is it discharged? In a body bag. In a body bag. And many times, is there anybody who has washed? So when the body is taken out of the body bag, is it always covered? Lady related to me, when she passed away, we wrapped clothes, so they put back. We didn't want to exactly. everybody to expose. So we wrapped her, and then they came and put a bag, plastic bag, which they designed for the dead body. And then uh, they, after that, they will give a number hanging in the toe of the person. So it will match uh, the certificate death, the papers that the hospital gave the person and then a special car will come and the man who especially always is a man he will discharge and match like the baby when you have a hospital they will check you if you have your real baby so that's like if you have your real matching person yeah so the point is that when the body is put into the body bag to be discharged from the hospital it's not always covered all right so, when you know that somebody has passed away in the hospital, then make sure that before you leave them in the hospital, you cover their body properly. And you speak to the hospital staff and ensure that when the body is put into the bag, it is covered. Because oftentimes it happens that when in the masjid, when the body is removed from the body bag in order to be washed, it's completely exposed. Completely exposed. So, this is disrespecting the body. So make sure you have arrangements made for that also. And sometimes what happens is that a person dies in a situation where they're still wearing their clothes and the ghusl is to be done immediately after that. So the clothes can also be cut if necessary. The reason why I'm mentioning this is that the body of a dead person is to be treated with so much respect that it should not become exposed it should not become exposed. Even when washing it, it has to be covered with a sheet. Even when transporting it, we have to make sure that it does not get exposed. So this is a very important rule that we must all remember. Now how exactly is the ghusl to be performed? First of all, like I mentioned, body is to be covered with a dark cloth. Secondly, begin with the bismillah. Thirdly, Gently lift the body to almost an upright position as much as possible. Alright? Gently lift the body into an upright position. Alright? As much as possible. And in that position, press the stomach gently. Why? To expel any defecation that may be in the body. That is to be Expelled. It is reported that Ali radiallahu anhu was bathing the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he reported that nothing that usually comes out of the body of the deceased came out of the body of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. 
And he said, you are so clean, hayyan wa mayyitan. You are so clean while you were alive and also when you have passed away. Then, with a covered hand, so either wear some gloves or if gloves are not available, then the hand should be covered properly. Then, from under the sheet, the private part or the area around it at least should be washed. You understand? Because sometimes what happens is that the person has been sick for a long time, they've been in their diapers, and the diaper is removed and discarded, but there's still najasa in that area. So that najasa should be removed, that impurity should be removed, because remember, the purpose of washing the dead is to clean their body. You don't want any smell coming from them. Right? Because remember that the angels come and take the soul, and and the angels are going to come and test the person, this person is going towards for their meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so they should be in a very clean appearance. And part of that is that there should be no impurity even around their private parts. So that area is to be washed first and foremost. Then after that, of course, the glove should be disposed. Then the hair should be unbraided. Meaning if a person has long hair and they're braided, they should be opened up. And the first thing that is going to be done is wudu. Correct? Wudu is to be done. And of course for wudu, begin with the right side. So right hand, left hand, then the mouth and the nose, face, then the right arm, left arm, wipe the head, wipe the ears, and then the right foot and the left foot. What about cleaning the mouth and the nose? How is that supposed to be cleaned? You don't pour water inside. All right? You take cotton, wet cotton, and with that, the mouth is wiped clean from inside. And again, with wet cotton, a cotton ball, again, the nose is to be cleaned. Alright? And after cleaning the mouth and the nose, remember that the mouth and the nose should both be plugged with clean cotton, clean dry cotton, for the rest of the bath. Why? So that while washing the body, no water enters into the body. You understand? That should not happen. So after the mouth has been cleaned, the nose has been cleaned, then the mouth and the nose both should be plugged with cotton. And if necessary, even the ears can be. So that the water does not go in. So after wudu, plug these areas close, and then wash the head. Wash the head. And for this, of course, sidr water should be used. And if sidr is not available, then soap can be used. And then the body is to be washed. The rest of the body is to be washed. And like the Prophet ﷺ said, begin with the right side. So how is that going to be done? The right side of the body, starting from the neck, the arm, right, the chest, the leg, all the way down to the foot is going to be washed. And the body can be lifted slightly, lifted up slightly. Why? So that the back side of the right side can be washed. All right, And then the left side should be washed. And how many times should it be washed? Three, five, seven, as much as needed, as long as the body becomes clean. The goal is to clean the body. And the number is not fixed. But of course it's, it's best if the body is washed an odd number of times. And again, for, for washing the body, siddhar water is going to be used. And if siddhar is not available then once at least soap and the rest of the times just 
use plain water to wash off the soap. After this, the last rinse, which is going to be either the seventh time or the fifth time or the third time, is going to be with kafur water. And if kafur is not available, then some kind of fragrance. Once the body has been washed thoroughly, the entire body is to be washed, then the hair is going to be combed. This is why we needed the comb. And if a comb is not available or if it's not possible to comb the hair, then even fingers can be used. The point is that the hair should also look very neat. You understand? The hair should also look very neat. And then we learn from different ahadith, and we will see some of these ahadith today inshallah, that the hair should be put into three sections, especially for a woman or a man with long hair. Into three sections, one section on the right, one section on the left, and one for the front, which can be put behind the head. And these three sections can be braided, and then all three should be put behind the shoulders. Okay, as we will see in the hadith. Also remember that if ghusl is not possible, if it is not possible to wash the deceased, and this could be for a number of reasons, for example, water is not available, okay, or the body has just disintegrated too much, that it's impossible to wash it. Sometimes also what happens is that the body is, you know, you can't wash a dead body in regular bathrooms. You cannot do that. Because the water cannot go in the regular sewer system, at least in Ontario. Are you aware of that? Why? Because once a person has died, you know, the body is changing. Correct? And so the water cannot enter the regular sewer system. So it's disposed of separately. Correct? So uh, sometimes the body may be, you know, when it died, when the person died, maybe the body was discovered a month later, two months later, it's already decomposing, or the body got burned, or because of extreme treatment or medication or some chemicals, some kind of exposure, whatever reason it may be, it's possible that the body cannot be washed. Washing it would further damage the body. You understand? So in that situation, tayammum can be done. Sometimes a person got burned and so it's not possible to wash the body. Sometimes it's been cut up. It's also possible that water is not available. It's also possible that a woman dies and there is no person who can wash her body. Like for example, there's no woman or there's no mahram, her husband is not there and the rest of the men, they cannot wash her. You understand? So in that situation, tayammum will be done for her. Also one thing you should remember is that in ghusl, the entire body is supposed to be washed. So that means the hair is going to be opened if it's braided. That means that if there is nail polish, that has to be removed. That means that if there is any bandage that was on the body, has to be removed. And if the wound is such on the body that washing it would cause a lot of difficulty, then of course washing can be done around the wound if possible. And if washing is not possible at all, then tayammum will be done. So these are some things that you should remember. I brought the siddhar leaves for you to see. Uh, these are dried siddhar leaves. So basically, these leaves are to be crushed. You see it's dry. So when you crush it, 
it becomes very fine. And then when it's added to water, it basically infuses the water. You can see the crushed leaf. All right, I'll pass this plate around so you can have a look. And these leaves are easily available if you have any friends or relatives in the Middle East, Pakistan, India, any Somalia even. Find out if you can get these leaves from there. Everybody should have it. You should have these leaves in your house. Because this is also a sunnah, right? Soap will do. Alright, soap will do. But it won't be the sunnah. And we want that in our final rituals also, we observe the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. Any questions about the ghusl? Okay. The question is that the mouth is usually closed. So how is the mouth going to be cleaned? So, of course, you have to try to open it. Okay? But don't force it open. Even if it opens just a little bit, then just pass the wet cotton around in the mouth. Alright? As much as possible. And then after cleaning it, then plug it closed for the rest of the ghusl. Alright? In general, remember that the body is an amana. Right? Your body is, it does not belong to you. It belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? So when a person dies, the question is can, that can their organs be donated if they have, if they want that or if, if the family is asked. There is no blanket answer. There is no yes or no. It's case by case. But in general, the general principle you should remember is that your body, it does not belong to you. It belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it should not be disrespected. I mean, if you think about it, if we're not even allowed to uncover and expose the body, are we allowed to cut it up and take organs out of it? It goes against the spirit of our deen. In the case of when there's no woman to bathe another woman, what happens? Like Tayammum will be done. Who does the tayammum? So for example, if, for instance, her father is there or her brother is there, you understand? The yeah. father cannot give the ghusl. Right. The brother cannot give the ghusl. Right. Okay? But they can do the tayammum for her. So that's the main thing about the ghusl. Now the kafan. For the kafan, very quickly, for kafan, white sheets should be used to shroud the deceased. Why white? Because the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to use white sheets for this purpose. He said that the best of your clothes are white and you should shroud your dead in it also. So white. Secondly, the sheets should be big enough to cover the body easily. The white sheets should be big enough to cover the body easily. Thirdly, we are told to use good kafan. Kafan that is hasan. That is good. What does it mean by good? Expensive? No, not necessarily. By good, what is meant is that it should be clean. It should be of decent quality so that it does not rip easily, nor does it expose the body because it's so thin, it's so see-through that even though the body is covered with the coffin, still the body can be seen. That's not appropriate. It should be thick enough to cover the body properly. Likewise, it should not be rough. You understand? The coffin... The material should not be rough. The material should be soft. Likewise, it should not be smelly. Alright? It should not be smelly. It does not mean that it has to be expensive, but it should be decent quality. 
Remember that the Prophet ﷺ gave his own garment for his daughter. When she was to be shrouded, he gave his own garment. Meaning a garment that he was wearing, that a living person can wear. So remember that such a coffin should be used that can be worn by a living person also. It should not be rough and hard and cheap material that it's ripping or cheap material that it's see-through or smelly. No, it should be good. Now the question is how many sheets should be used? What's the number? Three. Three loose sheets, which means that it should not be stitched. Some people get stitched shroud for the deceased. So they have a pant and they have a shirt and then they have a blanket and for a woman they also have a hijab. But this is not from the sunnah. You understand? Three loose sheets. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu made the wasiyah. He made a will while he was alive that he should be shrouded in three sheets. That's the instruction that he gave to the people. Now there is a weak narration that mentions Five sheets for a woman. Five pieces of cloth for a woman. However, this narration is weak. Alright, this narration is weak. Now, based on this weak narration, there are many scholars who have said that a woman should be shrouded in five pieces of cloth. Which is why you will find this as a very common opinion. For a woman, five pieces of cloth. For a man, three pieces of cloth. But for the five, there is no evidence from the sunnah. There is a weak narration. In fact, Sheikh Al-Bani said that it is not correct to use more than three sheets for a man or for a woman. He set the limit on three. He said not more than three. But of course, if the situation is such that people don't have big enough sheets, they have five tiny sheets, all right, and they have nothing else. And with those five, they can barely cover the body, all right, or properly cover the body. Then okay, they can use that. But in general, three is the maximum. Remember that at the Battle of Uhud, what happened? Musab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu, he was shrouded in one piece of cloth. Why? Because that is all he had. And remember that 70 people, 70 Muslims had been martyred on that day, and all 70 were to be buried. And Muslims did not have a lot of supplies. right? So what did they do? They used that one sheet of cloth to cover his body, right? starting from his head, and on his feet, they put some grass. Correct? So from this, it is understood that even one sheet or two sheets may be used if three are not available. But three is the maximum for a man and a woman. Aisha radiallahu anha reported that the Prophet ﷺ was shrouded in three pieces of white Yemeni cotton. Three pieces of white Yemeni cotton. And she said there was no shirt or turban. So it was three loose sheets, no shirt, no turban, no pant. You understand? Just three sheets. And like I said, there is no difference between the kafan of a man and woman. After the ghusl, the body is to be dried. Alright? And then from a hadith, we also learn that 
بخور should be done three times. What is بخور? بخور or بخور. Are you familiar? It's basically wood that is burnt because it's fragrant. So when it's burnt, the smoke that comes out of it is, it smells beautiful basically. So people use that to perfume their homes and their clothes, even their closets. So even a dead person after they are washed, then بخور should be done three times. And if that's not possible, then even perfume can be used. Regular fragrance can be used and it should be applied on the body. We learn Asma bint Abi Bakr. She said that when I die, put hanut on my body, not on my coffin. She said, put hanut on my body, not on my coffin. We also learn Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said that kafur is to be put on the parts of the body on which one prostrates. So he said specifically, perfume the parts of the body on which you do sajda. What are those parts? Forehead, down to the nose, then the palms, the hands, the knees, and the feet. And he said, because he used to prostrate on these parts, so they are deserving of greater honor. The person used to do sajda, on these parts, so these parts deserve greater honor, so they should not just be washed, but they should also be perfumed. Now one thing also, before we continue, that the person who is washing the dead does not have to be in a state of wudu themselves. And after washing the dead, it is not mandatory on them to do wudu. It is recommended, but it is not mandatory. Now how exactly the kafan, the shroud, is to be put on the body, inshallah we will look at that later. How exactly the deceased is to be shrouded in those three pieces of cloth, inshallah we will look at that later. But this you should be clear about, that it is three pieces of cloth that should be white, and they should be put very firmly, so that the body does not get exposed. 